Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamic Berto. Well, he's your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. As usual, we have a whole lot to talk about. We have a whole lot to talk about. Welcome aboard, AVQ. AVQ is all here with all its information. Paul Fleming, ATL checking in. ATL checking in. How you guys doing today? Bridge MCP says, hey, y'all. Anybody else in the room? Come on, let's get busy. Let's go ahead and get talking. Let's get talking. How is it going? What are your thoughts? What are your pieces of pie? What do you want to add? We have a great interview for you today as well. Because if progressives are to win, what we've done in Harris County must be replicated. I want you guys to take a look at what we did out here. And I think a lot of people will find it quite interesante. Very interested. I'm here as we speak, making sure that all those things went out. Let's make sure that all our our good old, uh, what do you call those, send campaign was successful. Okay, great. All right, folks, let's go ahead and get busy. Michael Rudden has his customary beginnings of research. We got the Biden administration is racing against time as homelessness is set to spike in June. A lot of people don't realize that as soon as, as, soon as they're done with the reprieve, uh, people are going to realize we don't have rent, we don't have mortgage, and a lot of people are going to be in the booms. The nation's homeless population is expected to rise in the coming months, especially if the federal eviction moratorium ends in June, which is intended to end. When the eviction moratorium ends, there's going to be 40 million Americans who owe more back rent than they can pay the resulting homelessness crisis. This will cause, will be unprecedented in our nation's history, perhaps worse than the Great Depression. President Joe Biden sees that's coming and is trying to prevent the worst of it from occurring. Second item, 22 GOP-led states to remove COVID-related unemployment benefits beginning in June. Republicans uh, keep screwing their constituents. So why do conservatives continue to re-elect them? Uh, Bow of the fifth column has the follow-up. Uh, I want you to imagine being so secure in your political future that having the population of your state so convinced to vote party over policy that you can say I volunteered to, to I voluntarily took 27 million out of the economy because of a talking point and not to be worried about your re-election chances. That's not okay. Bo is absolutely wrong, and what I mean by that is as follows. Bo is right based on the past. He's wrong if we do our job. A lot of these people are not going to see that their demise, that the reduction of that $300 a month that the federal government is imparting on their people is going away. A lot of them are not going to be, they're not going to see it as something the Republicans are doing to them. Of course, it's 22 Republican states, and of course, they will be the ones doing it to them. But those people will be marketed quite differently because Republicans know how to market. They will market that loss as we are invigorating the economy. And because a lot of those areas, the economy will get invigorated, what it will do, it'll force a lot of those $300 um, uh, a week people to go find $7.25 jobs. Okay, jobs that we should not take. Nobody, if look, the the three hundred dollar a month. Th- did it stop some people from looking for job? Of course it did. It stopped some of the people who would otherwise have to settle for seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. 
it put it makes them stay home. That's true. Let's not let's not sugarcoat it. If I have to get up in the mornings and go to McDonald's and get seven twenty five, and I can stay home and get three hundred dollars, the fiscally responsible thing to do for my family is to stay home. However, if the government forces you to work for that seven twenty five. And after you make that seven twenty-five, you have to be subsidized by the government. It really means that what we are doing is giving a handout to McDonald's and Walmart and all these other stores. So let's we we have to be honest. The people who would who would only qualify for jobs that give them a wage that keeps them on welfare. They're going to stay home because they can keep their dignity and pay in cash from what the government is giving them. And to that, I salute them. I say, stay home. Do not go to work for that kind of salary. Do not transfer your worth to that rich guy who owns the store, who refuses to pay you what it's worth. We, did, we couldn't get the, the, the bill passed that says you must pay somebody at minimum a living wage, $15 an hour. We couldn't get it passed, but we could get it passed in reverse by paying you to stay home. So when people are, oh, uh, the, you know, I mean, if you notice uh, what Biden likes to say, is it didn't keep the majority of people staying home for $300 a, a week. He's right. The majority of people didn't stay home because they got an extra $300 a week. That's not the reason. But a large amount of people stayed home because they got $300 a week, as they should because it's going to cost the government the same. If those people have to go out there and work and then be on welfare, it means that we are still subsidizing those guys. And that is not what we want to do. So what I, when I say that the guy from the uh, fifth column is wrong, I mean that we shouldn't be out there saying they are going to win the debate. We should be out there making the debate we shouldn't be just talking about what's happening we should be out there telling our right-wing brothers and sisters the truth are they going to listen not all of them are some going to listen yes and those that listen to you will be the infecting virus of their friends but we don't have faith i don't want to say faith we don't have we don't have the belief in our own power to be consistent in telling the message. We must. All, are all of them going to listen to us? No. Are many of them going to listen to us? Some. But we have got to get it together and just stop saying, oh, those right-wingers are not going to listen. Those Republicans screw them all the time and, and, and they just take it. They take it because... The, the Republicans screw them, and then the Republicans are the ones who tell the message. We don't go out there with force and tell the message. When Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was about to go into West Virginia, and, and she accepted the offer from the congressman, he panicked. I don't remember the, the congressman. And you know why he panicked? Because... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would have gone into West Virginia with the congressman, sat down with the congressman, and told those West Virginia people why they should be voting for those who are going to protect them from black lung and not from those who are lying to them, and she would have found a way to explain it to them. And the congressman was smart. He did everything he possibly could.
to keep Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from speaking to his people. But we can. And we can start as the Democratic Party and the progressive movement, not staying in the cities, not staying in the suburbs, not staying in the ghettos, leave the barrios, the ghettos, and go into Appalachia as well. They are human beings just like we are. They feel pain just like we do. They bleed just like we do. Let's get busy, brothers and sisters. Okay, six U.S. tech giants paid almost $100 billion less in taxes from 2011 to 2020 than reported corporate tax evasion resulting in a lack of funds for social service and infrastructure investment is one of the biggest problems our nation faces. By Janet Yellen's recent estimate, corporations owe $7 trillion in back taxes. We need progressives in office to take corp- make corporations pay their fair share. The money is there. Like uh, People don't understand how rich the country is, and they don't understand as well who the thugs really are. You know, we get the petty thief that goes into a 7-Eleven or go into a supermarket and, take a, 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 and steal a, a cigarette or steal a gallon of milk or something. Menial stuff, right? Not a, it's not right for them to do that, but it's menial. But the real thugs, the real criminals, the real crooks, they go out there and they steal trillions but they wear a tie and a suit, and we, for that, have decided to give them our respect. Those are the things. If we share these programs, if we make sure that these programs are seen all over, if we make sure that Americans don't get continuously fooled because of narrative, if we make sure that everybody sees these things, things would get better. The problem is we give up. Oh, those stupid people are not going to see that. No, they're not stupid. They're just uninformed. Many willfully ignorant. Yes. But you know what? We can solve that. It's not going to happen overnight, but we can. Michael Rodden, as many as three in four Americans overestimate their ability to spot false headlines. And the worse they are at it, the more likely they are to share fake news. There are two professors that solved that. I got an email from one of them this morning, and I'm going to try to see if I can get, uh, you know, they did some experiments that, I don't know, are you you spying on some of the stuff I read, Mr. Rudnan? Because I have something similar to that story to talk about that I want to talk about soon. I'm going to bring the professors on for that. Our people have not been educated on how different real news source to highly factual, known, reputable sources from false fake news. Yes, that's what I was talking about. That's what I have. But look, what we do in, in giving them real news is making sure not to talk down to them, making sure not to use their, life, their own life experiences to move uh, forward. Uh, tag in Bo of the fifth column. You're going to want to hear the intro. This is a conversation worth having. Thank you very much. Lee Grant, hi all, FB jail, keep speech alive. You were in FB jail, you should have called me up, I'll have talked to them and say, hey, I'm putting in a good word for my good old conservative brother, Lee Grant. Uh, let's see, Linda Joe Cassinger, welcome aboard. Hi everyone, just listening in today. I'm cleaning out the shed. Enjoy your shed job. All right, Michael Rodney says, if employers paid living wages with health care and other benefits, they'd find employees ready to work for them. The people are sick and tired of being exploited for their labor. Exactamente. Egberto, can you post this on the screen? Let's see what it says. Nobody wants to work anymore. Nobody ever wanted to work 
at all. We want it to be productive. Absolutely. I love that, Michael. Let's go ahead and get it on the screen for you as we get through the, our, our initial ramblings. Uh, let's see what else we got. There it is on the screen for El Señor Rodnin. Uh, Michael, uh, Roberto Luce, so true, so true. Deborah John from L.A., welcome aboard, my beautiful lady. Michael Rodnin, mirror just in case Pinterest is no good. Well, Pinterest turned out pretty good, brother. Paul Fleming, well, last year I found out that my father has Alzheimer's, and now my sister has just called to say that my mother has stage 2 mouth cancer. Please pray for them. Catch you next time I have to go. Paul, 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 I am so sorry to hear about your your not-so-good news today. A positive affirmation, I know it doesn't sound that way, uh, from someone who's been going through tribulations the past few years, a wife with lupus and a daughter that got a stroke a year and change ago, I can tell you I can feel your pain, and with a lousy healthcare system, I feel it doubly. So uh, I, I wish all power onto your dad and your mom. Your dad and your mom, sir. And thank you very much for the fight. I know you've got a lot of fight in you, brother. You keep up the good work. Lee Grant says, Trump noted that Corona was from China, had potential to come from a lab. Probes call this a lie. Now we see this may be true. No, we don't see this may be true. No, we got to investigate it. It doesn't matter if it's true or not, right? What you're saying is two people or several people in the lab got the disease. Was it an escape from the lab or an escape from the, the meat market across the street from the lab? We don't know. But it doesn't matter. It wasn't a genetically engineered thing that just got out of hand. That wasn't what we're looking at. At all. So far, that's not what we have. We have no evidence for that at all. Uh, Michael Rennick Corporation steal 10 times more than the petty crime. I think you're being kind. Egberto, another one I'd like you to put up on the screen. Uh, okay, let's see. That looks innocent enough. Let's go ahead and put that on the screen for Mr. Rudnan as well. Uh, minimum wage violations, $23.20 billion. Overtime violations, $8.8 billion. Rest break violations, $4 billion. Off the dock violations, $3.2 billion. I don't see a source. I put this on the screen without first asking you for a source. All data is for the U.S. Uh, Rudnan, uh, I'm going to take this down for now. Get me a source. What's the source of this data? Um, get me a source for the data. Anyhow, let's go ahead and get started. What, we are at 18 minutes? Let me see if I got time for this. Yes. Uh, you know... We have been fooled for a long time in America. We have been taught to believe that America and solely America was that signing sheet and there was something different about America. We are exceptional. The truth of the matter, there's no reason that you want to say you're an exceptional country. I mean, we are good people. America is made up of good people, but America was also founded by people that weren't all that good. People that weren't that didn't mind doing a lot of bad things. Does that make America bad? Hell no. What it makes America is like any other country on the planet. But if we have a fallacy that we've lived by all our lives, then we, we try to hide things. Like we try to hide uh, the Black Wall Street in Oklahoma. Like we try to hide Rosewood. Like we try to hide all the massacres against the native people. Like we try to hide all the treaties we've, we've broken while we want everybody else to hold up treaties. That is who we are. We can all get better. We are comprised of a lot of good people as well. But until we get better in being truthful and forget about not trying to teach our kids the truth, 
trying to put into law that it's illegal to teach our kids the truth, there would always be a problem. And no one says it better than Eddie Glaude. I want you to listen to this, and then we'll take it on the other side. White Americans, maybe some black Americans, ignorant of what happened 100 years ago. Well, Andrew, there's a kind of willful ignorance, and the willful ignorance is aimed at kind of protecting our innocence. You see, we don't want to tell ourselves the truth. I mean, connect this to the arguments around the 1619 Project, the arguments against critical race theory, uh, you know, governors trying to punish uh, school districts who will teach anything that's divisive uh, with regards to uh, uh, our history. And so the idea is that we don't want to confront what we've done because we're comfortable with who we are. And so we grab our, we clutch our pearls when we have these moments of revelation. Is this who we are? Of course, there are those of us who have lived under the brunt of it all, right? And so when we think about this anniversary of Tulsa, we need to understand it as one among many. Next year, or the, in two years, we will have the anniversary of Rosewood, another event of massacre of, sort, of, this, of this magnitude. And so I think it's really important that President Biden is the first president uh, to acknowledge this. Because as Brian Stevenson says, you know, truth and reconciliation is sequential. First, you have to tell the truth, which is a precondition for reconciliation, which is the basis for repair. So we have to confront what we've done, Andrea, honestly, so that we can finally, finally imagine ourselves differently. Or we will stay on this hamster wheel for another generation. But some of this is that it is wiped out of history books. Let me just say... Uh, I grew up in a family very involved in and aware of the civil rights movement in the 60s. And until I met the, the pastor from the Vernon Church in Tulsa, until I happened to meet him on an airplane, um, I did not know about Tulsa myself and was deeply engaged in the history of the civil rights movement, uh, knew the family of Michael Schwerner. I mean, you know, in the 60s, when I was still in high school, was was well aware. It was in my, in my hometown, in, in a northern suburb. Um, desegregation mm -hmm. orders in our, in our hometown. And did not know about Tulsa. Now, that's my fault, but I was deeply read. It's not in the history books. There's been a scrub of this. Right. So this is why I call it willful ignorance, right? Not to reduce it to kind of individual uh, absences in our knowledge, right? Or gaps in our knowledge, yeah. right? When I was when I was a young when I was a young student uh, at in, on the coast of Mississippi in my eighth grade history class, right? I, I was enamored by the Civil War, and I found myself attracted to of all people, General Stonewall, why? Stone, uh, General Stonewall uh, Jackson. Why? Because of the way it was taught to me. And so, part of what I'm trying to suggest here is that there's there are redactions in our history, Andrea, in order to uphold the myth of who we take ourselves to be, that America must be the shining city on the hill. And in order for us to keep that myth intact, we have to turn a blind eye to the ugliness that makes us who we are. That's not to beat ourselves on the back. It's not to wallow in guilt. It's just simply to confront the truth of our history so that we can actually imagine ourselves otherwise. And that's what it is, confront the truth of who we are. I know we, we, we do that on a personal level all of the times. Haven't you done bad things and atone for it our country has done a whole lot of bad things and what we need to do is atone for it by hiding it and asking others to just not relive it tells a lie but it doesn't only tell a lie it's not only something that is mental it's not only something that is 
it is something that if you take a look at what happened at Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, by them bombing and destroying that entire area, what it really means is the wealth that was garnered in that neighborhood, the, the millions of dollars that would have been passed down generationally, those, all those people were left with nothing. Their generational wealth was stolen. And that has happened throughout the United States, not only for black people, not only for Latinos, not only for uh, native people, not for just about everybody. When it comes to the way they devalue your home, I am going to sell my home. So the people who are evaluating the price of my home, make sure that my home is devalued when they give the appraisal of the home. The bank uh, ba base loans on that, appra that low appraisal, and then the person who buys your home is able to get the appreciation on that home. That's generational wealth. We can go over and over and over again and show how redlining created, uh, uh, stole folks from generational wealth over and over. Now, when my brother here, uh, El Señor Lee Grant, says, uh, what did he say? He said something about CRT. Uh, do, do we assume CRT is true? First of all, I don't think you even know what uh, critical race theory is because it's, it has a name like critical race theory. All it is is tell the truth about the racial impact uh, on, on people's personal economies. That's what I should we should have called it, right? Something like that so that nobody can make fun of it by just, oh, CRT. I want you to tell me, Mr. Lee Grant, what so far as far as you are concerned is incorrect in what you perceive as critical race theory. What from critical race theory do you perceive to be a lie that Americans should not know about? Don't just say that it is not true. Give me specifics as to why you believe something in there is not true. Uh, Michael Rudin says, Black homeowners consistently get homes appraised of over a hundred thousand uh, dollars, yeah, usually not the right price. Uh, Norman Reynolds says uh, Norman said something very important. Norman, willful ignorance is a security blanket for those who chose to grow by uh, being open to reality, as it revealed by the study. Lee Grant, it's Marxist lens. Uh, please explain what that means. You, you, a lot of you guys like to use a lot of terms. I don't think you understand. What is Marxist lens? Tell me what specifically makes it Marxist lens. Let's speak English so that our audience can understand why you on the right believe what you believe. This is a good conversation to have. But anyhow, I've got, I'm going to miss one of the videos because I've spoken so much to you guys because you all are more important to me than anything else. Uh, so let's just go ahead and listen to our uh, chair of the Democratic Party here in Harris County because this is what she has done in Harris County is something that needs to be done throughout the country so that progressives can continue to win and make sure Americans have a much better life than they could possibly have in the pathology or the pathological framework that we have right now. Check it out. Lily Schechter is the retiring Harris County Democratic Party chair. Uh, Texas Harris County is a bellwether county and the third largest county in the country. Los Angeles and Cook County, Illinois, the only two more populous. Under her reign, Democrats have thrived not only in winning all major elections, but getting out the vote. It is for this reason that Republicans in the Texas state legislature are attempting to carve out policies that undemocratically depress the votes of the Democratic base in the county. 
Lily Schechter, HCDP or current HCDP chair. She, uh, she told me earlier on she's not abandoning us. She's just changing her role. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here today and giving me the opportunity to say again uh, how much I love the Democratic Party and how thrilled I have been in the work we've done over the last two cycles. And I'm not going anywhere, just switching my roles. Uh, I believe that an organization of our size always benefits from new energy and new excitement. I agree with that. And I don't want to go there yet because I know, I mean, we, we are going we're, we're gonna to get there because uh, what, the, the, what you've accomplished in Harris County uh, is it's, it's important and it shows you're, 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 you're definitely going to be leaving a legacy out here. So tell us what you found when you got to Harris County. We know there was a whole lot of work that needed to be done. We know that we needed to get some young energy in here. We knew that we needed to get a whole lot to revitalize what has always been a Democratic Party that was not necessarily in sync with its own environment. You did a whole lot to make sure that it became in sync. Tell us what you found first, and then we'll move on from there. I mean, when I got first got to the Democratic Party office in 2017, I found an office that really wasn't an office that thrived during election season. But if it wasn't September through November, it had a very small staff that was uh, just keeping the party apparatus going, making sure our CECs were happening, that our steering committee meetings were happening and that our precinct chairs were being sworn in and, and, and we were recruiting a few precinct chairs here and there. Uh, what we didn't find was an office that had a thriving Democratic Party year round that had a full-time staff that reflects the size of Harris County. So that was one of the first things we did. Uh, I was elected in March of 2017. The first activity I did in um, as I came in as party chair was to do a fundraiser uh, one month after I first got sworn in uh, to make sure that we could raise the funds so that we could hire more staff and have a year round operation. And it's the exact same thing I'll be doing on my way out. I'm gonna be having um, us, uh, the party staff and I are working on an event for end of June to continue to raise funds for the Democratic Party. I think that is important, and and uh, you did quite a bit more than that. the the location The initial location of the Democratic Party was kind of not really within the community, and I think you did something uh, that that probably many had found quite shocking. You kind of moved it into we, we uh, where the people that support the Democratic Party are. Tell us a little about that, and tell us a little bit what you went through doing that. So first, we had to raise a little bit of money. Uh, in order to make changes like that. And then we moved to, in 2017, in August of 2017, we moved to uh, Fifth Ward, to the heart of Fifth Ward, to a storefront location. The Democratic Party had been in an office building in um, kind of the Heights area for the last, for about 10 years or so. And it was a smaller office. And we felt like it was so important to take the party to where the people are. And so we moved it into the heart of Fifth Ward. That is important. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as well, because, again, we're seeing all over. And the important thing is that what happens in Harris County is something that needs to happen in counties, not only here in Texas, 
but throughout the country, if we're going to get this sort of a progressive movement where people always feel engaged. And what you talked about before, that you really wanted to make sure that you engage the people year-round and not become that Democratic Party that when we're looking for your vote, we want you. After that, you know, you're on your own. Give us a little bit more about what, what drove you to do some of that. I mean, absolutely. I think the only way we grow the party and we build the party is to make sure that our partners in the party know that we care about them year round and that we're working on issues that we care about together. So that's something that you cannot do during an election season, starting after Labor Day and then ending, you know, November, the beginning of November. That's something that requires real deliberate uh, activities and time so that we are actually strengthening relationships in our Uh, communities around Harris County because we have a coalition our party is made up of a coalition of a lot of different voters but we cannot take any voter for granted we need to talk to voters about the issues that matter to them so that when they go into the ballot box they know what it means to be a democrat and they've met democrats and they've worked with democrats and they've worked side by side with democrats so when they go in to vote for democrats it means something to them more than just you know hitting a d next to the lever or you know d next to everyone's name at this point uh, but it's some, it's about relationships and strengthening those and that you cannot do in a month or two months. You have to do it year round. So it's so important to me. It was so important that we not only turn the party into a year round operation, but we build out a staff that looks like the community around us and works in those communities around Harris County. You know, I, I tell you, I tell you something, Lily, you kind of make interviewing you a bit difficult because as uh, it's, it's almost like you're aspirating the next question or the next statement that I'm going to make. So I'm not going to get upset about that, but are you reading my mind or something? <laughs> I think we probably come from the same mindset when we're talking about the party, which shows why we have similar thoughts on it. I think that's what it is. And, but here's the interesting thing, because you, you brought up something that I wanted to talk about, but bring in a little bit different way you brought up about having your staff which it does I'm looking at your staff right now and your staff look like America your staff looks like Houston one of the most dynamic cities one of the most culturally diverse cities in this country but not only that there's a there's another distinction within the Democratic Party it's not only about a culture but it's also about different classes that coexist seamlessly or that we hope to coexist seamlessly and one of the things that i that i thought you brought to the party and you did it quite well is the ability to uh to create that glue among these different sects within the party in harris county because harris county is a blessed county with money and a blessed county with poverty and when we go to the functions we see them all in that place coexist and tell me how did you pull that out Well, I think one of the things that's so important to recognize about the democratic community is that it is a family and it encompasses all different walks of life and making sure that people feel comfortable at all of our events and that we do events that range and, you know, that from free to our, you know, our fundraising events to have all kinds of ticket prices to make sure that we, if we do have a fundraiser and we have an amazing speaker, like, you know, maybe secretary Clinton who came and spoke or, you know, Speaker Pelosi, who came and spoke as well, making sure that we also make that event accessible to people with either um, free tickets to some or discounted tickets to some, because I do think it's so important. And I think, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm going to probably repeat myself a couple of times, but the Democratic Party is made up of 
not just donors, not just elected officials, not just activists, not just volunteers, and not just precinct chairs, but all of those people. And in order for us to make our county better, we all have to move in the same direction together. And I think it's one thing that is so critical when you're talking about the progressive movement or the democratic movement is that it's not just about the democratic party, right? It's about all the organizations that do organizing year round, that, that, that do community organizing year round. It's about new organizations that have popped up like Swing Left or Indivisible that aren't necessarily part of the you know, democratic establishment for lack of a better word, but organizations that are vital to our democratic community um, and just make sure that everyone feels comfortable at those events. And it's not you know, the Democratic Party demands this and the Democratic Party says this, but it's as us as a Democratic community uh, that we all say these things together. That's one of the things why I think we've been so successful in Harris County. It's it's recognizing that we all come from this from different places, but we share 95 percent of the same ideals and values. And so making sure that everyone's comfortable in the same room. It is important that you actually use the quote-unquote democratic establishment because there is one. And one of the things I think that you excelled at is that you were able to fuse the democratic establishment with the democratic activists, with the democrat, the different, the different sects. And, and, and again, I mean, it, it, it is not an easy thing to do because those of us that are real progressive activists, we want everything now. And to stay together in, in that we're going to actually work together to get things done. I think it's important, and I think you played an important role in the way you mitigated a lot of the things that would otherwise been your thoughts. I mean, thank you for saying that. That's very nice. I, I definitely feel I wasn't like... trying to be nice. I was just saying how you, <laughs> what you did. That's all. I mean, I, I do think that that's very nice, and I think that it's a challenge, but I think if you come to the table with an open mindset and a willingness to communicate and to make people comfortable in a room together, then I think you're, you can then have conversations that sometimes we just shy away from. And there, you know, there are conversations that in the democratic party are harder to have sometimes, but just always reminding each and every one of us that we agree on 95% of the issues it's that there's a 5% that we don't agree on. And there's, you know, another percent on another conversation about how quickly we want things to happen. Do we want to burn the house down now or do we want to change it from the inside? But ultimately we share the same values and it's a constant reminder that we share those same values is how you have those conversations. So I don't know that there's anything special about me. I think anybody can adapt to that mindset and do something similar. Well, um, I, 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 I beg to differ in one extent in that there are some people who don't want to don't want to make that adjustment. They don't want to actually bring everybody to the table. It's my way or the highway. What I like, if, if you take a look at your um, your staff, which has grown quite a bit from the, the days that we did a little bit of volunteer work in that little room at the, you know, it's, it's grown quite a bit. Uh, if you take a look at the staff, it reflects it, it reflects it culturally. It reflects it from the downright activist to the downright establishment person establishment you know uh so i mean <laughs> you, i always have to quote all. establishment because i'm a democrat who's grown up in texas and the word establishment to me is always the republicans that have been you know leading our state or you know the elected republicans in our state and so i always considered those 
people to be establishment, mm -hmm. not necessarily necessarily a Democrat who's you know fighting for different issues as the establishment. So I always end up quoting it, and I apologize because it's just um, was such an interesting uh, word choice that I really became more prevalent, you know, a few in 2016 that I just wasn't that familiar with. So. Yeah, well, we, 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 those of us in the deep activist community, we like to use that word, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I consider us all to be activists and fighters together against the Republican regime. So it's, well, you know. <laughs> we are, we actually are. But, you know, you do need, you know, I, I am in other organizations. I, I, I'm in one called the Coffee Party USA, where we try to bring not only all kinds of Democrats together, but also include Republicans and independents, anarchists, socialists, everything together. Wow. Right. Yeah, we, we 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 tried not not an easy task, but we try to do that. And I think uh, I, I think by by you caging all these folks doing it the right way, you know, that's a good thing. Let let's talk a little bit of now about your performance, okay? Okay. Now, in other words, uh, there's a whole lot that has happened, and I'm going to let you 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 sent out a a, a letter uh, when when you decided that it was time that you, you know you, you pass the baton, and. You know, some of the things, I'll be honest, some of the things I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's in there. So tell us all these different things that you're able to do here in Harris and hoping that it's going to be mirrored other places as well. I mean, I think one of the things you're talking about is just like the amazing list of stats that we put together. I love and, it. Yes. Yeah. And it's, some of it is that when you have a year round operation and a, an office and a big staff, it allows you to talk to more people and to get more people involved in the process. When you're able to raise the funds to support the party, it also allows you to have digital program and have an email fundraising program and, and organizers that we weren't able to do. So our numbers are exponentially greater because the way you win is you build a team of people and then you all work together for the same causes and for the same goal. Uh, not one person can do anything alone, right? The, the bigger the team we have, the better we're gonna do in Harris County. So I really hope other county parties in Texas and our next party chair really think about the bigger team that you build, the more successful Democrats will be. So never try to do it all on your own, figure out what you're good at and then uh, figure out what you're bad at. Be okay with acknowledging that you're not gonna be perfect at everything and build a team where you complement each other and then go out and see how big of a volunteer team you can create, how big of an organizing team you can put together, how many digital ads can you actually pay for, how many text messages can you actually send, all of those, because our county has, you know, a couple million registered voters in it. That's great. We have another 250,000 that we need to register here in Harris County so that we can continue to increase our margin statewide. That's a lot. Those are huge numbers that we need a huge team to do. So we were able to do that, and I'm kind of rambling on your um, no, question. No, no, no. I mean, please continue. We were able to do that because we had so many boots on the ground doing the work. And so our stats are amazing. You know, I think we were able to raise close to $5 million. And that's not just because of me. That's because I got on the phone, and I enlisted a bunch of other people to get on the phone. And then we did a digital program, and then we did email fundraisers. And then we, I would reach out to people that I knew to say, hey, can you help us get this amazing speaker in here? Because I don't know them, but maybe you can help us. And then they would help. And so you just have to be willing to ask people for help. And not only willing, uh, excited about being very persistent. I call myself a professional nagger sometimes because that's <laughs> what I do uh, to get more people involved in the process. But you never, 
um, you'll never know unless you ask. So I always tell my stepkids also, like they say, they don't, you know, they'll be in class and say they have a question about something, but they're a little bit nervous and you're never going to know the answer unless you ask the question. So just ask and speak up and make your voice heard. And that's what we do at the party every day uh, to make sure that we're all asking for uh, our volunteers, our friends, our donors, our elected officials, everybody to get involved and do as much as they can and push as hard as they can. Well, that is great because I tell you what, I'm, I live in the, in the reddest part of your county. And that is what they do out here. They, they, they are overrepresented in our voting because they are in continuous communication with their people and yep. they've empowered all of their external groups. In other words, their external groups are, a, are an integral part of them. And that's what I like. I've seen, I've seen you work with Indivisible. I've seen you work with uh, Swing Left. I've seen you work with all these other, of course, I'm calling the, you know, which ones I'm calling, but I've seen you work with all these, these groups. And I think that is what the, uh, the, the opposition has been doing for a very long time, successfully Absolutely. empowering other people to bring yeah. other people into the domain. So I, yeah. I, I think that is wonderful. Now, um, b- before we go, um, I want you to give some advice to a, a group of people that are difficult voters. I've, I went into the, uh, to the Latino area of Houston because, you know, I, I, I speak Spanish and one of the things I found was a very difficult sell. First of all, I found more I, I found more Republicans than I that I expected, and I I couldn't understand why, and they couldn't understand why themselves, based on who was putting out their better interests. But also, I found folks that didn't believe things were going to work for them. This was back, I think, in 2018 when I block walk or 20 yeah 2018 when I block walk. And uh, what are we going to do for those communities that are so far out of, you know, what we see? What do we do? I mean, I think there's a couple things. One is making sure we all recognize that no community is a monolith. And so you can never approach the Latino community with the same conversation with every door that you go to. Um, But I think it's also talking to people about the positive changes they've seen in their lives because there are, we are electing Democrats, is a conversation in 2018 we were not able to have at the same level we will be able to have this election cycle. I think that in 2018 we didn't control commissioner's court. Right. Um, and I think that has dramatically changed the way Harris County, um, people viewed government in Harris County and the, and the conversation we'll be able to have to, with um, voters talking about what it means to elect someone, re-elect someone like Judge Lena Hidalgo and re-elect someone like Commissioner Adrian Garcia and talk about the different, you know, the reactions to COVID that, that we were able to have here locally um, that other people were not, were not able to have, the vaccines that we were able to help um, spread, the Immigration Defense Fund, bail bond reform, all the different issues that they've been able to champion since they got to office. Um, and I think some of it's dispelling bad information that's out there. And some of it is just having conversations with people. And I think what you're, one of the questions you're, one of the things you're saying without actually saying it is that you went block walking in 2018, were we talking to them in 17? Were right. we talking to them in 16 after the election? Were we talking to them in 15? Are we continuing to have those conversations 
so that we can have, you know, build a relationship and then also talk about things that have improved because Democrats have been in office. One of the hardest parts of polling that like breaks my heart every time I see this information in polling says people don't think that when Democrats get to office, there's been, they make any changes. They don't right. think see them as any different than Republicans. And I want to bang my head against the wall because if Republicans have been in power in the state for over 20 years, longer than that, 25 years, how could we make any changes if we don't have any power at the state level? So you have to look at lower levels. And so commissioner's court and what we've been able to do in Harris County and the city of Houston are thing. it's why the legislature is fighting against us so hard right now is because they want to limit the good things we can do at the exactly. local levels. Um, because then voters can see that we actually can enact like good progressive policy at the local level. And that's why the Republicans have been, you know, they've been in power for so long and are fighting so hard against us right now. So I think it's just having a more in-depth conversation. It's not a one second soundbite answer that you can give a voter. Absolutely. All right. Uh, two questions, an easy one and okay. the other one you're going to have to think about. Okay. All right. The first one is. So what's next for Lily Schechter? And the second <laughs> one is, and it's, I, I'm telling, giving you the other one so you can think about it as you speak. Okay. Uh, what didn't I ask you that you wished I had asked you? Um, first question, I will be taking vacations over the summer with our kids and having a little bit of downtime while I, um, you know, think about what's next and figuring out ways that I can still be involved in democratic politics. I also want to give the party chair enough support, the next party chair, enough support on their way in, but also need to take a step back so that they can take over the party because they are the new leader of the party. What the question you didn't ask me would probably have something to do with uh, what do you think 2022 is shaping up? Uh, what kind of races are you uh, expecting from 2022? And that I think is a much more difficult question. I think that we have the voters here. We've proved it for the last three elections, the 16, 18, and 20. We have the voters here. We just have to get them to turn out. So I want to make sure that everybody gets involved in the Democratic Party, a local club, swing left, indivisible, whatever you are the most comfortable, whatever organization where you feel the most comfortable and you most identify with, get involved, be active, and make sure that you're talking to other people about the importance of reelecting Judge Lena Hidalgo and Adrian Garcia in 2022. Lily Schechter, chair, chairperson of the Harris County Democratic Party. Thank you so kindly for having been here on. Of course, happy to do it. Right. So glad we got to make it work. Absolutely. We, all right, folks, I hope you like that. E2247, thank you so kindly for the kudos. He says, great one, Egberto. That deep culture for sure. <laughs> Our deep culture. Uh, or, or what did I say? Deep activist, deep activist. So you like that one, huh? Okay, Michael said AOC posted a video a while ago about what she does in a day talking, taking note of the good that can be done by putting government to work for the people's needs. Exactamente correct. Uh, it seems to me like uh, Brother Lee Grant is still talking about issues that maybe we all in the, in the, in the thread should be kind enough to talk to him about to expand his horizon. He's a good guy. It really is. He says, I'd say it's a postmodern deconstructive theory that stems from Marcuse. What? Uh, no, no. It's just about 
just just go ahead and think about everything that has happened to the others in this country and and talk about how do we tell everybody what has occurred critical race theory that's all i'm going to say critical race theory it's just an, an analysis of what race has been has done in this country to others and it's not there's nothing negative about it it's just the truth now the actions were negative but it's just the truth Deborah John says, Egberto, don't waste your time with Trump folks. Deborah, I believe in America because we are here in America and we want it to work. I give up on nobody. I'll be honest with you. People sometimes think I'm crazy until sometimes they see a result. I give up on no one. I give up on no one. Uh, let's see. E2247 says, which model does CRT best fit with? Introspection or behavioralism? Or is it cognitive science? Believe it or not, I would call it cognitive science. What we've seen, uh, you know, the things that we see, it's, it's, it's fact-based, science-based. Yes, it's cognitive science. Uh, Lee Grant, it's postmodern thought that no longer sees truth, but sees truth as relative to the individual. That's not true at all. That is the kind of mumbo-jumbo you hear on Fox News, which, of course, we know is a, is a fact-free zone. All right, let's continue on. Let's continue on. We need AOC, all of them. Truth is defund as def- defund as verifiable fact. Eric Hay says, how about that Hunter news just won't go away? Uh, who cares about the Hunter news? Who cares about that? Tell me, how is that going to make anybody's life better in America? Okay? How, it's, get away from... You know what? Right now, Fox News and, and AO... Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, the, all, the, all the crazy right-wing networks, they're trying to throw whatever they can to see, will this story stick? Will this story stick? Will this story stick? Americans are starting to get used to, oh, that's crap. You're just trying to change the narrative. Why not talk about how do we help the American citizens from, help America, help our citizens get by? What is that thing there? Is that something on my shirt? Oh, wow. I don't know what that is. Got to find that out. Anyhow, folks, that is what we have to do. Anyway, anyways, I, I think CRT is cognitive science, so you agree with me, brother. Anyhow, I was forgetting to do my spiel. First of all, folks, if you are on YouTube, please click that button that says join. Please become a member of our PDR Posse. As you become a member of the PDR Posse, please also, whether you become a member or not, consider getting one of our mugs, like the one designed by Bridge MCP. Excellent. It talks about what we are all about, talking truth, speaking truth, and uniting people from all sides. Fox News, AON, Newsmax, they're all crooks, and they know that they are. Anyhow, so... That, that is what we try to do. So please join our posse. Just click on that join button to become part of the PDR posse. If you join right now, I'll throw you up on the screen. You're the little box that come on and say, hey, XYZ, joined us. Uh, if you want, you can also consider becoming a Patreon. Uh, we need about 1,000 Patreons. We need you more than you know. Politicsandright.com slash Patreon. Politicsandright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Likewise, you can become a member via PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Support us any way you can. Share our stuff. 
please share widely. If you are listening to this, if just this little piece, please share the, the please share the show. That is how we make sure that we enlighten and we make other people make sure other people know what's going on. Because the lies that you hear from OAN, the lies that you hear from Newsmax, the lies that you hear from Fox News, if we don't mitigate those, they actually become true in the minds of many. In fact, they've some have become true in the minds of brother, uh, uh, our brother here. Um, let me see. <laughs> some, in, some in the minds of, uh, oh, can you believe I'm going through a brain forth? Lee Grant, Lee, I forgot your name, brother. I'm sorry. And you know, I love you. But, you know, some of that has cauterized into his mind. So please, if you don't see that join button on YouTube, please consider going to politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Politicsandright.com slash YouTube. And you can become a member that way as well. So whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Instagram, whether you're on, on, uh, uh, on Facebook Live or elsewhere, you can become a member. Uh, also, please consider, I ask you so kindly, to go ahead and get our books or our, our stuff at our store, politicsandright.com slash store, politicsandright.com slash store. Alternatively, you can get all our books, the books that you see on the screen right now. Uh, it's worth it, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. As I see it, Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right-Wing Doom, as well as our book, How to Make America Utopia, Take Away the Economy from Those Who Rigged It. You can get that all at our link, politicsandright.com slash, oh, I put this wrong one in there again. Let me get the right one. politicsandright.com slash store, or rather, slash books, politicsandright.com slash books. One more time, politicsandright.com slash books. Okay, I saw some other messages run by. Eric says, very important to know if Biden has been in bad or not. This correlates to knowing corruption is now or not just like the past investigations. Again, you guys can try that as much as you want. It says nothing. Biden is not Bo. Biden is not Hunter at all, okay? If anybody can find something on which to do Biden, go find it. And then if you find something impeachable, impeach him. But until then, let's work on what's going to make America go forward. Let's do that. Let's stop just wasting our time on crap. Let's see who else I need to salute here. Eric Hayes, welcome aboard. E2247 says, the bulletin will host virtual Zoom discussing about the virus SARS-CoV-2 on June 9th at 5 p.m. Thank you for the information. Uh, let's see what it's in there for anybody else to see as well. Uh, let's see who else did I miss. Uh, I got. I want to make sure I called all you guys out because you're good people. I think I called out Deborah John already. Yes, I did. Okay, Roberto Lewis, mi hermano favorito. Uh, para ver, Nanette Bird Smith, welcome as well. And, uh, okay, C. Johnson, I don't think I called you out, C. Johnson, welcome. Norman Reynolds, mi hermano favorito también. Uh, Deborah John, welcome. Uh, who else? Lee Grant, I called you out. Deborah John, Roberto, I got you. Uh, okay, let me get to the bottom of the screen because we got to get out of here. We had one more video. I'll play that video mañana. I'll play that video mañana. E2247 has the Zoom link for you guys all to see. Anyhow, folks, look, I know you guys can be anywhere. Dawn Broadband, thank you for being here. Uh, let's see. It's, it's what? Is that? <laughs> Dawn, is that, am I seeing right, Dawn? And Bruce Pollard, I recently made a breakthrough with one of my Republican friends 
who will now vote Democratic in our state of Texas. It works, Bruce. It works. Bruce, thank you so kindly for sharing that information. It works. You just have to treat people with respect and realize that they have different, they're seeing things through a different lens than you are. Anyway, we got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.